Well, this morning, while I was having my coffee and scanning various things online, I saw a lovely article shared courtesy of Jen Haddad from Mamma Mia, not a site I typically uh, pay much attention to, but very, very popular. And uh, Mamma Mia had this great article on uh, how everyone is feeling anxious about coming out of lockdown and what we're all to do with that. So um, I, uh, I thought, you know, isn't this interesting? I've, I've had these conversations with many people over the last few weeks, and I've noticed this even as we're, we're feeling excited about the change, the change is also making us feel uncertain and anxious and all kinds of stuff swirling around. And so because of that, I'd thought, let's have a look at Psalm 16, because it's a great Psalm that helps us deal with our anxiety and our fear. So um, if, if you are feeling uncertain and there's a whole bunch of mixed feelings in your heart and soul as we head towards uh, opening up. I'm hoping that this will help. Uh, it certainly helps me, um, and uh, so we're going to have a we're going to have a look at that. And um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we are going to think about this a little more. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, may you speak to us now through this psalm. May you comfort us and encourage us. May you give us peace uh, in the midst of all the uh, uncertainty and the change that we are facing. And we ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. Okay, so um, I, we're going to start off with a, a framework for understanding life. So here's um, A and B, and uh, this is A you can think of as the effect, uh, B is the effect, A is the cause, and uh, this is how we understand a lot of life to work, A causes B, right? So um, in our current context, uh, we, we think about life, right? We think about all the stuff we're going through and what I want to experience now, say this is me and I'm feeling stressed and anxious. What I want is something to come along here that will help me feel happy, okay? And, and at peace. So what, I, what I'm wired up for, what I need in my life, is uh, security. Uh, I need peace. And uh, I'm going to rely on something. I'm going to look to something to give me that, to cause that in my life. So um, here's a, what, what are the typical things that we might look to here um, to cause the effect of peace or security in our lives. And uh, we could put those in the chat if you want, or uh, I could just make those, I could just uh, think about them myself. And if I miss something here, if there's some obvious thing here that I haven't included, 
raise your hand, uh, unmute yourself and yell out. So I'm going to put down some things that we typically look at here. What, what can we, what cause uh, can bring about the effect of feeling great uh, in our lives? Well, um, how about this, eh? Uh, vaccine. There's something people are trusting, right? Uh, masks in our current environment. Um, denial. <laughs> if I just don't think about anything, that's the, I, I train myself not to think about anything and then I'll feel better. Um, alcohol, uh, Netflix. Um, though I did discover if you are looking for a Netflix show to help you feel at peace and not anxious about anything in life, do not watch Squid Game. Um, <laughs> this is not a show that you will find conducive to causing the effect of uh, peace in your life, particularly if you watch it shortly before going to bed. I do not recommend that. Uh, but if you, you know, probably don't recommend it actually before you go into a work meeting either. Uh, your, your levels of adrenaline might be so heightened that you could have some unfortunate uh, effects. Um, we can look to government, right? Um, we can look to the military. Gosh, there's a whole, we can look to money, right? Our wealth, our affluence can, um, uh, can separate us. Uh, here we go. Look, it's coming in. Uh, agree. It's awful. Coffee. What's awful, Jen? The squid. Squid games. Squid games. <laughs> you you had to watch it just to make sure you knew that it was going to be awful. Yeah, that's right. And of course, you had to watch the whole season because you thought at any point it might actually improve and find you transformed to a state of zen-like peace and tranquility. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, meticulous feng shui. Yeah, beautiful. Thanks. Uh, tai Chi, slow breathing. Yeah, all of that. There's a whole bunch of things that we rely on. Um, uh, medication. Uh, long walks on the beach at sunset. Uh, listening to romantic music. Um, our own routines. All of these things are good. Friends depending who they are. Yeah, that's all good, isn't it? Um, so here's the question. Ah, sleep. Yeah, that's cool. Interesting thing, though, with sleep. Yeah, sleep is incredibly helpful, but also can be one of the first things that we lose in a paradoxical, awful trick that life plays on us, that we need sleep to feel relaxed and good, but not feeling relaxed and good can actually cause us not to sleep. So where does God fit into this? That's very interesting, isn't it? Um, where does God fit into this? And uh, I'm going to give you a little picture that I think shows us uh, an inter how God interacts with us in the world. Um, and uh, so here's, here's typically how the world works, A to B cause and effect, right? And, uh, and this is common and this is, this is good, right? So um, 
where is God? Well, this is what at this level, the A and B level here, this is the level of um, what Augustine and others would call uh, secondary, uh, secondary causes. That is, uh, and there's another level above this, and this is where God comes in or the spiritual reality, the ultimate cause. And here's what God does, right? When you read the Bible, God acts on the causes that we rely on. He energizes and empowers, creates, acts in and through those causes. God also acts in and through the means, the connection between A and B. God is acting in that, right? He is um, working in the means. So he is uh, working there. And then God also acts directly on the effect. And so uh, when we understand this, we start to understand how we can get really confused in so many ways and, and fight with each other. So someone might say, for example, um, well, you know, say, say you're really struggling with anxiety at the moment. Um, oh, no, I'll, I'll, let's not pick anxiety. Um, let's just pick a disease. Let's say you get sick uh, of something and, uh, and you're sick and then you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you some medicine and you, you get better uh, and at the same time, you've been to church, and while you were at church, someone prayed for you to get better. Now, what do you say? Well, at one level, you might say, hang on, I, my natural immunity, my body healed itself. Okay, you go. And, and then you might have a fight with somebody who goes, no, you're denying science. It was the medicine that healed you. And then you might have a fight with your friend who's a Christian who says, actually, it's God who healed you. Well, you know what? In the biblical worldview, you'd say yes to all of those things. God, God can act directly on your body and you will experience healing that is dramatic and amazing. But he can also work. He absolutely energizes the doctors and the scientists and the manufacturers of drugs. And then God is at work in this process as well. In the, in the whole working of the medicine in your body. And all of that is true. He works in the results, he works in the means, and he works in the causes. Um, and there's no distinction. So now when it comes to thinking about being anxious as we come out of lockdown and Psalm 16, let me tell you, there is a, here is how I think about it, right? Um, I want to be a person of peace. Um, and here I'm going to look at all, I'm still going to do all the various things that uh, we, we identified before, right? There's a lot of things we can do. Um, I, I've been meeting with some folk and just walking alongside of them through the season of, and, and they've been struggling. A few of the folk I've been talking with for a whole bunch of reasons with anxiety and, and, and the stress of it all. And, and one of the things I'll always say, even as we pray and do some work around the parts in our lives and so on, I just keep saying, go back to your doctor, take the drugs they are prescribing. Do not 
Don't think that God can't use those. There's no separation. Like God, science and medicine is a great gift of God to us, um, which isn't to say that it'll always work perfectly, but it's also to say whenever it works, you go, yes, God is working in that and through that. So um, the unique resource we have is to say we actually consciously know the kind of spiritual being who is the primary cause of all of reality, and that is God. Now, what do we see in Psalm 16? Look at the kind of attitude we're to have. Psalm 16 says, in the midst of all the uncertainty, it says, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. Safety, security uh, is a critical, critical part of life. And, and David, the psalmist, comes to God and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take refuge in you. You go, yes, that's awesome. How does that work? Well, we know from the Psalms and from history, David also had military alliances and, you know, he fought and he had horses and chariots and wives and you know, the whole thing, right? But in the end, the Psalms are about, well, none of that's enough. What I, what I really need is God. I need God as well. So he, he focuses on God. And, and what we actually see in the psalm, it's like, it's like a sandwich because um, it ends with, uh, with this as well. So it opens with a stanza around safety and security, and it ends with this last package around this. these last verses really are all about safety and security as well. And then in the middle, it unpacks a little bit of uh, how uh, what that looks like, and then how he actually delivers it for us. So uh, what do we get? We says, says uh, keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you, my Lord, apart from you, uh, I have no good thing. Uh, David is so aware, even as he looks at his life and at the world around him, that, it's, that everything that is good in his life comes from God. <laughs> um, I would say... If there's one thing we need to have learned from this lockdown, it's this way of looking at the world and to say everything that is good comes from God. Like it's, it's all God. And filling our minds with that reality, not the temptation very much as a, in, in our current Western world is to focus all our attention here, right? Um, uh, you go, no, 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 actually, that's not enough. We need to understand this dimension of reality as well. And that's what David does. And he does it so helpfully for us. And then he says, though, um, he, he says the holy people are in the land. So those who actually belong to God, who understand God, they're the noble ones in whom is all my delight. So his friends get this. God's people get this. But there are a group of people who don't. He says there are those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Um, what on earth does that mean? Um, uh, one, one way of thinking about this is um, the other gods, and we've talked a lot about this earlier this year, you, you could think of the other gods perhaps as the, the in this, in Psalm 16, the other gods here are, uh, in the Hebrew, the other Elohim, the other spiritual derivative beings. Um, and typically, 
what would happen is um, is the Elohim become uh, spiritual beings that you manipulate to try and get what you want. And you manipulate them so that they act on these. If, if I offer you libations, if I offer you sacrifices, then you will give me money and power and all the things I'm after. Um, and, and this is really the fundamental distinction in spiritual life is, is from the Bible's point of view, actually these gods are not the one true God. They are very limited in their energy or their power or their ability to influence things. They certainly can have an effect. But what happens is when you trust these other gods, um, the ultimate effect in your life, according to the psalm, is you actually end up with more uh, and more suffering. Here's another way of thinking about this. Um, what these other, because, and, and how this works is as follows. What these other gods will encourage you to do and me to do is these other gods will encourage me to trust um, particularly money, sex, power, and place all my trust in these. I will trust these as ultimate in my life. And what these gods do is they actually, what they want to do is they want to cut me off from the one true God and put all my focus here. And they tell me that this is what I need. But of course, when I do that, I discover that life doesn't really work because there is a limit to what these, these physical causes can achieve in life. Let me give you an illustration and how it makes us miserable and what are the sacrifices we make. So say you really believe that money is what will bring you security and peace in the world. Okay, so how are you going to get money? Um, well, in Squid Game, it's the ultimate dramatic representation of this. You get money by playing a game where if you lose, you die. And if you win, you get a lot of money. To get the money, someone's got to die. Life has to be given. Everything, something has to be exchanged for, for money. Uh, time, energy, life. Now, uh, of course, we're not playing Squid Game. We're here in Sydney, so we don't do that sort of thing. But what do we exchange for, our, for money? Well, our time, our energy. How many people do you know in your life, in your acquaintances, who have sacrificed their health, their marriages, their, their relationship with their children, their relationship with people around them, so that they could work longer hours, uh, climb a career ladder, build a business to have more money? And why they want more money? Because the false gods of this world have spoken lies into their hearts that have said, the more, I'm, the more money I have, the more peace and security uh, and life I'll have. And actually, it just makes us miserable. So the alternate, the alternate is to say, no, no, no. <laughs> With the psalmist, you come and you say, that's not at all how I'm going to live. Say, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. So, yeah, I can trust in, I, I, can, I can use material causes, employment, medical science, um, medication, technology, all the wonderful things of this world. 
But actually, what I need to do is come back to God and say, in the end, God, you alone are my portion and my cup. You're the one who gives me everything that ultimately makes life worth living. You make my lot secure. By lot is it's my lot in life. That's, it comes from God. Now, God will work through all these things, but it comes from God. And then I love this verse 6, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Um, yes, Lord, as I look in this world, as I belong to you, I recognize how good and wonderful this life is. And so I'm going to praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Well, what is, what's he saying? Well, the way, how do we activate? Uh, I'll go to another. I'll start it. I'll do it. How do we activate this experience of God in our lives? How do I actually bring this reality down to God? Well, well, look at what the psalmist says, right? I learn from God. You, you, what, you, what you and I need to do is actually have our minds set on God continually to have a vision of his reality fill our heads. Uh, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. So God is our teacher. God is our counselor. God is the one who shapes how we think about the world. Even at night, my heart instructs me. So God is working in us to, to shape us and guide us. And I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. Um, so as we go into lockdown, as we, go, as we come out of lockdown, and as we grow in life, what we need is the practice of having this vision in mind and then keeping our eyes on God every bit as much as we keep our eyes on medication and technology and employment and drugs and vaccines and mindfulness and everything else, but, but fill our minds on with God because we know he's at work in the world. And here's what we know. Here's what we know. If God is for us, well, then who can be against us? Because look at the ultimate security that God gives us, right? He says, uh, my body will also rest secure. Why will, why will his body rest secure? Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Where does our ultimate security come from? Well, we fill our heads, we fill our hearts with God, and we know that in the end what God will work directly in us with the energy and the power with which he directly raised Jesus from the dead he will give us resurrection. In the end, every one of these material secondary causes will fail to secure our lives. The only, the only ultimate death transcending hope we have is 
is in a non-material, personal, infinite source of energy, God, who loves us and will secure this mortal body of yours by working directly in it with the same energy that raised Jesus from the dead. So take your drugs, have your glass of wine, watch your Netflix, get vaccinated, do everything you need, whilst continually setting your mind on the infinite, all-sufficient creator God who guarantees your eternal security and, and filling you with eternal pleasure, joy forever. Where do we see this worked out? I don't know if you know this, but this is a psalm that the, the Bible applies directly to Jesus. You know, what happened to Jesus? Well, God is Father and raised him from the dead. Uh, Peter quotes the psalm in Acts chapter 2. Um, David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. So, so David can't be talking about himself. He's applying the psalm to Jesus, and he says, um, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. This is applying to Jesus because you will not let me uh, not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy one see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And then he goes on fellow Israelites. I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is there to this day, but he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on earth that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we're all witnesses of it. So this is the answer to the question, which you might have thought. Well, how can I know that God will raise me from the dead? How can I trust God? That's a good question, right? Well, how do you trust God? Because he's done it before. This promise was, was fulfilled, was kept, was actualized in Jesus. And having been actualized in Jesus, we can trust it for you and for me. If Jesus, if God raised Jesus from the dead, then he is able to raise you and me from the dead. And then the Apostle Paul uses, uh, uses the same psalm. What God promised our ancestors, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. God raised him from the dead so that he will never be subject to decay. So that promise has been the promise to David in the Psalm 16 is fulfilled in Jesus. We see what it looks like. The, the end of everything, every, every physical sense of peace, like dying, abandoned, brutalized, lost on a cross, the kind of life that God willing you and I will never have to go through. And on the other side of that, an eternity of joy because God raised him from the dead. And as you and I, as we go through all the changes of life, that is our ultimate source of security, of peace. We'll never be shaken. We will never be shaken because Jesus was shaken for us. He died for us and he rose again for us. And so 
we can live in this confident hope that um, at the end of the day, nothing in this world, nothing in this world can actually harm us in, in, in a way that robs us of an eternity of joy, an eternity of glory. And as I fill my mind with that, I start to experience peace. I start to experience the ability to love in increasing measure because I'm not afraid that these material causes that I'm trusting on will, will not deliver for me. So heading out of lockdown, heading into this next season of change, fill our minds with the God who is the God of resurrection power in the world, whose resurrection energy is available to you and to me to fill us with hope and fill us with security because we know what lies ahead of us and it's all good. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, uh, I ask you that even this morning, you will fill our minds and our hearts with a vision of your goodness and sufficiency and resurrection power. And that as that happens, you will, you'll free us from anxiety and from fear of this world and the, the inadequacies of the material causes that we rely on to manage life. We'll use them for what they are, but we will find our ultimate security in you as the psalmist did, as Jesus did, and as your people have been doing for the last three and a half thousand years. Amen.